Eliza, I don't have a dollar to my name, an acre of land, a troop to command, a dollar for fame, all I have is my honor, tolerance for pain, a couple of college credits in my top notch, brain insane, your family brings out a different side of me, Peggy confides in me, Angelica tried to take a bite of me, no stress, my love for you is never in doubt, we'll get a little place in Harlem and we'll figure it out, I've been living without a family since I was a child, my father left, my mother died, I grew up buck wild, but I'll never forget my mother's face, it was real and all my love my life eliza swear to god you never feel so helpless eliza you'll never feel so yeah i'm down for the count and i'm drowning in them today our topic is hamilton an american musical yo Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, where we take a look at art from pop culture and uncover the true, good, and beautiful elements found therein. Let's get started. Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, part of Awaken Catholic. If you would like to support shows like Pop Culture Catechism and other shows on Awaken Catholic, you can go to awakencatholic.org and become part of the Awaken Nation by uh, making a monthly donation. That is what keeps the lights on and the cameras running in this wonderful studio and uh, brings the shows like this to people like you and beyond. So that's an awesome way that you can support us. You can also give a one-time donation. And by becoming part of the Awaken Nation, you actually um, gain access to exclusive content. You'll uh, get talks from people like me and other show hosts and other presenters that you would not have access to otherwise. Um, we also have an, a new app. You can download the Awaken app by going to theawakenapp.io and you have access to all the shows through there and you can you can chat with show hosts and um, we got we got all sorts of stuff going on there. And if you are part of the Awaken Nation, there's exclusive parts of that app as well. One of the other great ways that you can support us and also support your own prayer life is by downloading the Hallow app. If you have not heard of Hallow, it is transforming prayer lives across the world. Um, you can do all sorts of different prayer uh, with scripture, Lexio Divina, the rosary. I love the daily examine. And if you're just looking for a way to grow in your relationship with God, go to hallow.app slash awaken and you get a free month of the premium version of the app. And that also helps us out here at Awaken Catholics. So those are three ways that you can support the show. And of course, if you know anyone who is a Hamill fan, part of the Hamill fam, you can uh, share this with them, send them a text. You can like, subscribe, hit that bell on YouTube, rate us on, on iTunes and all the places you find your podcasts and uh, rate us a review or, or give us a rating. All those things help us. And we're, we're so grateful for everyone that comments and, and reaches out. Uh, we've gotten a lot of good feedback about this show since we started at the end of August. So, and we love getting to interact with you guys. So let's go ahead and dive into our topic for today, which I've been trying, I, as soon as I started this show, I knew we needed to do Hamilton, an American musical. And I also knew that there were two people I wanted to have as my guests. And one was Stacey Summerow and one was David Sanborn. So uh, if you don't know who these people are, you need to know who these people are. They're, they're, they're awesome people. And I'll let you, uh, you guys introduce yourselves. Hi, David. Hi, Stacey. Hey, how's it going? Um, so why don't you guys uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, Stacey, you can go first. Yeah. So a couple of fun facts about my my life. I was a musical theater major at Catholic University, which is where I met Mike. Woo -woo. I moved up to New York City. Woohoo. And um, happened to book my first um, 
uh, my first audition there, which was the Wizard of Oz national tour. So I played the mayoress of Munchkinland, as well as um, a poppy, a citizen of Oz, a flying monkey. So I was living my childhood nightmare there. Um, and I understudied Glinda. Nice. And I also went on a second national tour that was a little show you might have heard of called Beauty and the Beast. Wow. So that was an 11 month tour. And I played um, the baker's wife. I'm like, who did I play? Uh, <laughs> as well as understudying Mrs. Potts in the wardrobe and playing a fork, a plate and a napkin. So mm -hmm. living again, somebody's dream of being a dancing place setting as opposed to like a CEO or astronaut, you know, uh -huh. um, we, we toured to 43 different states, uh, 70 cities for each tour. So that was an amazing experience, but I eventually felt called away from theater. And a big part of that was because of my, my faith. Um, I just wasn't able, I felt that I wasn't able to really fully live my faith in the way that I was feeling called to eventually discerned religious life. And then through a whole crazy series of events, um, the short Reader's Digest version is that I ended up on a reality television show, um, discerning religious life. So it's called The Sisterhood Becoming Nuns. Um, it is now on YouTube. So on, you can- It was on MTV originally, right? A lifetime. It was on Lifetime. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Lifetime. lifetime in 2014. Mm -hmm. So um, you can watch me, binge watch me crying about my life choices um, for free on YouTube if you want to. Awesome. So yeah. Stop really watching this. Go watch that. <laughs> watch this after that. Yeah. We'll, we'll put that um, in the show notes. Yeah. Put that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why not? It was an amazing experience though. You know, it really did bring me closer to God. And even though I discerned I wasn't called to be a nun, I eventually... I uh, did start a speaking ministry and uh, podcasting ministry as well. So I host the Called and Caffeinated podcast. Mm -hmm. And Mike has been one of my guests, mm -hmm. uh, which was a, such an amazing episode. And so I love talking to all the different smartest Catholic minds that I know about, um, about faith and about hearing God's calls in our lives. And mm -hmm. I'm the mother of three little children, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and one in my belly right now awesome. arriving in March. Congrats. Mm -hmm. That's my awesome. husband and I live in Winchester, Virginia. So very cool. That's a, very cool. A quick intro. <laughs> uh -huh. Thank you very much. And David, tell the tell the people who you are. Yeah, well, I grew up in Thailand as a son of missionaries. And then after getting my musical theater degree from Wheaton College, uh, I happened to land the role of Tony in West Side Story because they were looking for a guy who looked authentically like a 16-year-old, which at 21 I did. And uh, I am perpetually, I'm kind of like Benjamin Button, a lot of people say. Mm -hmm. um, most people wouldn't guess that I'm about to turn 48. But at any rate, um, so then I did the, the tour of uh, Forever Plaid, but I was really longing for something that would really express my faith in a more profound way. And so I wrote a one-man musical uh, called King David, and I should use the word write loosely because the songs are all from the songs mm -hmm. and the script is all word for word from the scripture. So I just played 20 different characters acting out the scripture uh, that ended, ended up running pretty well off Broadway and toured five consonants. Um, that led to some other really fulfilling roles like uh, playing Ben-Hur and uh, playing Jesus and other roles. But then I, I uh, kind of like Stacy, I was really discerning uh, just a real longing to to invest myself even more fully in ministry. And so I got ministry training at University of Nations, and I became a pastor. And while a pastor, I was uh, preaching a series on the Gospel of John, and a Catholic friend said, hey, you know, you should look at uh, the Gospel of John through the 
to the lens of the church fathers. I'm like, you mean Augustine? They're like, well, there's more than Augustine. And, you, you know, in Protestant circles, we don't tend to go back much before Augustine. <clears throat> so I began to study Clements of Rome and Ignatius of Antioch and Irenaeus of Lyons and, and these guys who were disciples of the disciples, you know, and, and I was done and um, just totally, totally profoundly moved by by the reality that the earliest disciples of the disciples were very, what we would consider nowadays Catholic in their theology. Mm -hmm. So I left my role as a pastor and um, in looking for a backup job, I uh, got a role in the national tour of Amazing Grace. Um, Stacy could probably relate to this. Once you're in ministry, you think of acting as kind of like your your backup, where <laughs> other people would think of it the other way around. So yeah, I just, yeah, it's going to be an actress, kind of just, that'll be my sure thing to make some money on the side uh, in order to support my ministry habit. So uh, after, after a season of that, I um, married a beautiful Catholic woman, started work as a youth minister, and uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. And um, you are, you did join the Catholic church a few years back, yeah? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. Kind yeah. of a slightly important little yeah, yeah. piece of information. Yeah. Yes, yes, I, I was. You were going with that. Um, well, yeah, I was received into the Catholic Church uh, by my request on the eve of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Wow! Um, as an act of prayer that um, all Christians would finally be reunited in the Church that Christ founded. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So you both have awesome stories. And the reason I wanted you on the show is one, you both have professional theater experience, like legit professional theater experience um, and like toured all over the place and are super talented, but you both have a heart for ministry. You both have like crazy discernment stories <laughs> of following the Lord's will, even when it seemed kind of crazy. And so, um, and I, I feel like Hamilton is a bit like that where he was kind of following a crazy path and kind of has this rags to riches, crazy story. So I just, I knew that I, I wanted to have both of you on this show. So, um, real, real quickly, uh, tell me, so Stacy, tell me your favorite musical, your dream role and what you love about musical theater. Oh, okay. Dream role would be Galinda in Wicked mm -hmm. because I think my perfect niche is playing the really like the ingenue who's also mm -hmm. like, crazy like really not so the, my favorite audition song that i go in with or mm -hmm. whenever i'm asked to sing something for a cabaret it's a stalker song with like the crazy eyes uh -huh. so i that's where i fit is my niche so glinda awesome. and you said favorite musical yeah your favorite musical oh that's a really hard choice mm -hmm. i guess going you know what i'm gonna be a groupie wicked i think mm -hmm. because my favorite role would be yeah. glinda I just, I do love it. I love Wicked, but there's so many good ones out there. Um, One that I absolutely adore is Company. Oh, cool. Um, I don't know that one. Yeah. yeah. And I love, I love the subtlety. I love Stephen Sondheim's writing mm -hmm. and I got to see Front Row on Broadway. Um, And it was a life changer for me because mm -hmm. I watched it at a point when I was afraid of marriage. Mm -hmm. And so it was really a, a, a wonderful show. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And what do you love about music? Being alive. What'd you say? Being alive. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And what do you love yeah. about musical theater? What I love about musical theater, I love the way that it can move you emotionally um, and, and you, your emotions can reach your soul uh, mm -hmm. sometimes in a way that just kind of reading in a book doesn't. Mm -hmm. So I think it's a window into, into your soul, into, um, into change and mm -hmm. into influencing someone's life um, if used well and if used properly. Mm -hmm. I think that's just um, 
uh, that's what it did for me as a teenager, as mm -hmm. a young adult, um, you know, and I think it has the power to do that for so many people. Very cool. David, what's your favorite musical? Les Mis. Les Mis. Les Miserables. Mm -hmm. Favorite role, Jean Valjean. Uh, and uh, I, I actually, it's funny because I, I auditioned for that role just before becoming a pastor. <laughs> and uh, even though I was the exact age of Jean Valjean, at the time, again, this whole kind of Benjamin Button theme <laughs> in my life, they said, come back to us in about 20 years. <laughs> Man. What do you love about musical theater, David? Uh, I love the fact that it's it really is more than any other art form, uh, just a combination of every kind of art form. Yeah. I mean, you might say that about movies, but really, you'd have to then say musical movies, mm -hmm. uh, movies that are musicals, because it's got just about every kind of art form all combined, all interacting with each other, all supporting themselves uh, by supporting each other. Mm -hmm. Like none of them fulfill their goal without undergirding each other. And if any one of the art forms draw attention to themselves, too much attention to themselves, then they're not doing their job right. Mm. And so I just feel like that's just such a, a perfect example of what really what all of life should be. And especially uh, it's, it's a great metaphor of the body of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. First Corinthians 12. Yeah. Many parts exactly. of the body. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. I would say my, my favorite musical is Big River. It's the um, musical mm -hmm. version of the Huck Finn story, the Huckleberry yeah. Finn story. Uh, when I was younger, I said my, my dream role was to play play Huck in that. I'm a, a little too old for that now, but I would love to be Roger in Rent. I think, uh, you know, I could play guitar and I have kind of the voice yeah. for it. So you're absolutely a Roger. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yeah, totally. um, and uh, what I love about musical theater is... Um, Man, uh, your guys' answers were way better than mine, so I'm gonna I'm gonna default to what you guys said because it was much. I don't even know what I was gonna say, but I, I love what you guys said. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Hamilton, if you don't know what Hamilton is, by the way, there's gonna be spoilers, lots of spoilers, um, and there's mild profanity in this show. I don't think we're gonna have profanity on this episode of this show. Um, there might be something in some of the lyrics we put up, but I, I, I think you should be fine without any profanity if you're listening with with kids around. Um, so Hamilton, an American musical, premiered in January 2015. It's about the life of Alexander Hamilton. Uh, it's it's you know, it, it doesn't hit the history exactly right, but the, you can learn a lot of history from, but there are some things that if you want to look up the Wikipedia, you'll see some things that are not exactly uh, historically accurate. It won the 2016 Pulitzer Prize for Drama, uh, 2016 Tony, uh, it, of the 2016 Tonys, it had a record 16 nominations and won 11, including Best Musical. It had the Grammy for the Best Musical Theater Album. It was the number one album on the Billboard rap charts for a while, which is crazy for a musical theater show. Um, and interestingly, before this show, the U.S. Department of the Treasury was planning to take Alexander Hamilton off the $10 bill and replace him with somebody else. And the popularity of this show kept him on the $20 bill. And now they're going to take Andrew Jackson off the, off the $20 bill instead of Hamilton off the 10. So um, it, it kept Hamilton for us, which I, I think is a, I think is a good trade. So, um, so uh, both of you had a chance to um, ha have, have watched the show. First, I want to talk about just kind of the artistry of it and what you love about it as a musical. And then we'll, we'll dig into the themes. Um, so uh, David, can you tell us just what do you, what do you like about this musical? What do you think is good about it as a piece of musical theater? Uh, well, the um, the anachronism actually works really well. The, the, okay, I'll define that term. Basically, 
doing something that uh, in a way that it wouldn't have been done at the time, mm. you know, like for instance, uh, uh, talking in a way that you wouldn't have talked at the time, using musical styles that you wouldn't have uh, used at the time. Mm. Um, but even more than that, just just taking kind of the heart of what was going on and trying to kind of paraphrase it yeah. for a modern audience. You know, they're not trying to tr literally translate the culture. They're trying to say, okay, how can we do this in a way that you'll relate, that you'll connect? Mm -hmm. And man, did they pull it off. Yeah, mm -hmm. really did. They really did. Mm -hmm. Stacy, yeah. what do you love about this show? Um, there was a lot that I loved about this mm -hmm. show. I really f struggled to find things I didn't like because mm -hmm. it, it took me a while to get into it at first. Um, but, uh, first of all, just the sheer breath capacity of so many of the actors to be able mm -hmm. to get the information out there mm -hmm. and the talent of Lin-Manuel Miranda to, uh, to capture these historical events. I mean, there is so much in the show and I started, it really sparked a lot of curiosity. So I've been reading you know, I've been Googling Hamilton and his mm -hmm. life and, and like, it's all, it's all true. And there mm -hmm. are certain places where they take artistic license, but there's so many details that are packed into the show that mm -hmm. I, I just think it's incredible that he was able to take that out of the history books and onto a stage mm -hmm. in real life. I felt like when I was watching it, it was an extremely 2020 uh, look, kind of like you said, David, it was a 2020 look at these historical events, because um, if you watch, say, like Dick Cavett interviews, you know, uh, back from the 70s or whatever, the 80s, you know, it's a very it's a very lengthy, lengthy interview. He gives an hour, an hour and a half for each person. If you watch you, most YouTube videos now, it's quick cuts between things. It's like every five seconds, there's another cut um, and the camera's constantly going in and out. I felt like Hamilton was that was mm -hmm. that very quick. It's like, if you look away for a second, you're going to miss so much because it moves so fast. Um, but that, that really was what kept it engaging. Um, so yeah, just artistically incredible. Um, the writing was fantastic. It's not a style, honestly, that I love typically, like I, I'm not into rap. I'm really not into hip hop that much, mm -hmm. but, um, I think it works super well for the show. Like you said, they really pulled it off. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Um, yeah. Something I meant to say before that I, and that I forgot about, so I want to say it here before I forget, is um, if you want to know more about uh, David's story, um, he, there's EWTN did a great interview with him for the uh, the Coming Home Network, um, which you can see on YouTube, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. Um, and John Mark Grodi says hi, by the way, David. He's also um, he he's, he hosts a show on Awaken Catholic as well. So, oh, fantastic! Yeah, Tell him for me. Yeah. Um, what I love about this show, I am very much a hip hop fan. And so I love that there's references to Jay-Z, like you could have been anywhere in the world tonight. That's how H to the Izzo starts out. That's, uh, you know, the, and if you don't know, now, you know, that's from uh, notorious B I G and the, the 10 dual commandments is a notorious B I G song. And the, I'm only 19, but my mind is older. There's so many little references, um, to, to hip hop or the, you know, Hamilton, meet me inside and meet me inside. That's from DMX when he's like the rough riders, meet me outside. I was like, man, we used to, you know, bop to that in high school, drive it around in my, my car. It's, it's just so many cool little references. And I, uh, um, I'll put something in the show notes that goes through, goes through all of the, the little hip hop references from the different songs for those of you that are, that are, that are into rap. Um, so I love that. Uh, the, also the things you guys said, I think it, it just, it, takes the content matter and makes it work for a modern audience. And in a way that, you know, who cared about Alexander Hamilton before five years ago? Nobody. And this, this show has totally made him 
like household names. So, um, I also love it's it's very similar to Les Mis in a lot of ways. And Lin Manuel um, Miranda talks about how Les Mis was his favorite show, uh, and there's uh, uh, themes that just keep coming back up, like the way musical motifs come back in from later in the show, earlier in the show to later in the show, and lines that mean something totally different, even though the same line, like in the beginning, uh, you know, Angelica and the Skylar sisters, they come into New York and they're like, look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. And then later on, that's what Eliza and Hamilton are saying to each other in the midst of the Revolutionary War, where Hamilton has just narrowly escaped death. And they're like, look, look around how lucky we are to be alive. And it's the exact same line. But earlier in the show, it's like excitement for life. And later in the show, it means like, oh my gosh, I'm so thankful just not to be dead. And there's there's so many things like that. The more you listen to it, the more you watch it. There's so much interconnectedness, you know, and I think he started writing this back in like 2004 and then it didn't hit Broadway till like 2014. It's, it, it took 10 years cause it's so complex. Um, so I just, uh, I, I love that. Um, can I also give a shout out to Jonathan Groff as the King of England? Because so good. <laughs> I, if I were a man, well, actually, they've. I think Lin Manuel Miranda said at some point that he would be open to like casting women as uh -huh. the founding fathers. So I would totally be gunning for the role of the King of England. Um, <laughs> I just love. I love the contrast of his when he comes out on stage and he just saunters out on stage onto an empty stage with nobody there. It's total contrast to the mm -hmm. whole rest. Mm -hmm. and it totally totally different mood and he barely even moves his hands he barely moves his body at all it's mm -hmm. all in his face absolutely loved his so his camera moments you know it's yeah. just it was it was like such a treat and it helped me appreciate also all of the movement all of the dynamic you know the dynamics of the rest of the show mm -hmm. um to have that like sudden contrast was really cool and, and i i love i love the king because there, there's so much about america that we take for granted and kind of providing that old pre-America perspective mm -hmm. helps you realize, yeah. like when George Washington steps down, he's just like, are, are they just going to keep replacing people? Like, are they just going to keep replacing who's in charge? And like, that was a radical idea. So I, I love that they give that perspective. Yeah, really, yeah. really well done. I didn't know someone could do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It never occurred to him. It was great. Yeah, seriously. Uh, very yeah. cool. Well, uh, is, is there anything you didn't like about the musical? I hate to say this, but I actually don't like Lin-Manuel Miranda's voice. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I actually, I turned to my wife uh, after, uh, um, gosh, I guess it was at intermission after they had, after Lin-Manuel Miranda, or actually it, it was, it was after the show because Lin-Manuel Miranda had done a duet with Leslie Odom Jr. I know. Yeah. Following him in the duet in Dear Theodosia. And... I just thought what I said to my wife was, I'm really wondering right now, which took more courage for Lin-Manuel Miranda to take this unheard of founding father and bring it into a modern uh, colloquial context of styles and hip hop mm -hmm. and rap and, and, and take it to Broadway and to do it all, to, to, to write it, the, the words and the music and to, to produce it and all of that, if that took more courage or if it took more courage to sing a duet with Leslie Odom Jr. <laughs> Seriously. Because Leslie Odom yeah. Jr., I mean, let's face it, he's a force of nature. The yeah. guy is just so good. like off the charts, one of the most amazing talents I've ever seen on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that, that takes incredible humility for 
someone of the uh, performing caliber of Lin-Manuel Miranda to surround himself, not with people who make him look good by mm -hmm. contrast, but make him look good by just how incredibly phenomenal they are. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Mm. I find, you know what I think it is, is it's totally a matter of taste because he's not, he's very extremely talented, talented as an actor. And he's also mm. very talented as a singer. I just found that the timbre of his voice being um, very high mm. um, didn't, something in it just didn't like, it was just a matter of taste purely. Yeah. So it's certainly no reflection on his talent. Like there are so many moments with, of his um, you know, where he really showed his acting chops that I thought was, um, were excellent, especially when he was singing to his son, Philip, um, mm -hmm. who was yeah. went his son, Philip, when he was a baby, I just mm -hmm. thought that was such a beautiful moment. Fun fact, actually, the real Hamilton had two sons named Philip mm. because mm. his second son named Philip was number eight of eight children. Wow. And his first son named Philip was, the, was the firstborn. And the year after the first Philip died in the duel, second Philip was born and wow. they named him little Philip after Aww. his brother wow so, i didn't know that that is yeah and i told me there's eight children and we're spaced 22 years apart and oh. in his for him it was eight children spaced 20 years apart so i was like wow that's so interesting that mm -hmm. that was they just kept going <laughs> yeah because mm -hmm. <laughs> hamilton's kept on coming and he yeah. lived all the way until 1883 i want to say little phil oh wow oh, my gosh so, yeah, super interesting yeah life. yeah mm -hmm. yeah very interesting. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people say like, oh, his, you know, he's, he doesn't have a Broadway caliber voice, but that kind of is representative of Hamilton's rag to riches story. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I still don't like his voice. Like even his, even his rapping <laughs> voice, I could fly above my station. Like he's kind of, I don't know. It doesn't... <laughs> that was a perfect impersonation. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the guy's brilliant. I think he deserves the Pulitzer Prize and all the Tonys oh, and yeah, stuff, absolutely. but I, yeah, don't like his voice. Anyway, yeah. let's, let's get into the spirituality before we get destroyed in the comments by people who <laughs> <laughs> love Alexander Hamilton, well, who love Lynn's portrayal. Um, so let's talk about the, the themes and, and the spirituality of this show. The first one I wanted to talk about was there's this theme throughout of will you be satisfied or is it enough? Mm -hmm. Will you be satisfied or is it enough? And Angelica says to Hamilton several times, you will never be satisfied. He will never be satisfied. God, I hope you're satisfied. Like, and that's another line that comes back again and again and again. And I, I wonder if, if you guys could just kind of share your, your thoughts on, on that in this show is like, what is it? Why isn't Hamilton satisfied? Why isn't it ever enough for him? Um, mm -hmm. How does that, what does that mean for us as Christians living in this world? Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I've always felt like I'm an overly ambitious person. I'm very type A, very much a go-getter. And then I watched Hamilton and then I read about his life and the amount that he accomplished in 49 years. You feel like a slacker? <laughs> Yeah, and I'm like, I'm a total slacker. What have I even done with my life? Because he literally had to handwrite everything. You know, it's like, how did he do all of that in that short space of time? Mm -hmm. um, there's a great verse from Ecclesiastes that I absolutely love because um, I talk all the time about discernment, about finding your path, about like living your most authentic life. Mm -hmm. You know, what does that mean? And Ecclesiastes is the book where they go through and they talk about like it's all chasing after the wind, right? Mm -hmm. Like, to trying to have all of these earthly things is all chase after the wind. And at the end of Ecclesiastes, what the writer comes to the conclusion is that a good life is when you get essentially to do the work that you love, when God gives you 
the joy of your heart. Basically, uh, it, he gives you the joy. I can't remember the exact verse right now, but he gives you the joy of your heart so that you hardly notice the shortness of life. And wow. that seems to be kind of a theme in Hamilton. It's like Hamilton is both chasing after something he's never going to accomplish by mm -hmm. all of his writing. And he's also at the same time kind of having what his heart most desires just in the pursuit of it. Mm. Um, so even though it is never enough, like he, he never sits still, mm -hmm. but he also is um, so in love with the concept of building this nation mm -hmm. that there does see, he does seem to be more alive than all the other characters in a sense. He does seem to have more fulfillment than all the other characters. And what an interesting thing to me, at least, you know, it seemed that way. And what an interesting thing that that both of those can coexist yeah. in life. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And as I, as I talk about discernment on my show and I talk about finding your most authentic life, the, the right answer, so to speak for people seems to be, um, the, the thing that really makes them come alive. You know, mm -hmm. Jennifer Fulwara calls it your blue flame and, you know, Hamilton certainly lived in that probably to an unhealthy extent for mm -hmm. many points. Like when hit, when Angelica and Eliza were trying to convince him to go on vacation with them and spend mm -hmm. the summer in upstate New York. And they said, even John Adams takes the summer off for his family. Mm -hmm. He, you know, a sane person probably would have taken the summer off and gone yeah. with his family. Mm -hmm. So it probably was too far in that direction. But at the same time too, like you look at his life and you're like, he was so alive and he did so much. And just the pursuit of it was, to me, it seemed like enough in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do, you, what do you guys think? Well, it's such an interesting parallel right there. You're talking about the the summer that he didn't take off. Such an interesting parallel to um, what is it? Second Samuel chapter 12, where David isn't where he's supposed to be. He's not out mm -hmm. leading the men to battle. He's just taking time on his own, hanging out. He's, you know, there's a certain contrast there as far as uh, David was supposed to be fighting and and Hamilton was supposed to be resting, but there's that sense of uh, being where we're supposed to be. And you get the sense that Hamilton just thinks, well, as long as I'm doing a good thing, that's the thing I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. as Christians, we know that, that, that it's not that simple. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's actually simpler than that. It's <laughs> resting in God. It's actually having our focus on God and saying, God, you lead me. And, and then it just takes away the stress. It takes away the hesitation because we know that we have a father we can trust if we know that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings. And I think that brings back uh, the theme of, of uh, the fact that Hamilton was an orphan. There's so many Christians that are living yeah. today like the orphans. Oh, and yeah. Hamilton, what what's, I found really fascinating about the musical was the fact that Hamilton is an orphan, Burr is an orphan. Mm -hmm. And there's a sense uh, for both of them, but specifically for Hamilton, of an orphan at a workhouse who has to prove himself. And so he has to do all the things uh, but you don't get the rewards. Mm -hmm. You don't get the love. Yeah. You don't get the affection. You don't get the, you don't get the unconditional love mm -hmm. that, uh, that you would expect from a father. So there's this sense that even though early on in his life, he says that he was a Christian he says, I could prove that Jesus rose from the dead. If anyone dare ask me, I mean, there's this like almost a dare, like I'm going to do it all intellectually. Mm -hmm. But then what's really fascinating is you see what happens at 
one of the great things about this musical is it, is, is it causes you to be really fascinated about what really happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I looked at what really happened after his affair and then after the death of his son and no longer did there seem to be as much of this ambition wanting to prove himself to the world. Now he wanted to make Jesus his focus. Mm. Um, matter of fact, prior to that, he had stopped attending church. He was just like, oh, I'll read the Bible on my own. That's just as good, right? I, I don't need to sit at other people's feet. I don't need uh, mm. to be accountable. I don't need the body of Christ. Um, I can do this on my own. Mm. Um, but then, uh, but then, and yeah, I see the song right there from the screen. Oh yeah, this this song wrecks me. Like yesterday, yeah. when I was when I was driving here yesterday, I listened I listened to the whole show again, and I'm I'm driving down the highway, listening to Quiet Uptown, and there's like tears streaming down my face, <laughs> and I'm like ugly crying, like my like my four year old girl just in the car, because <laughs> this song it just it hits me so hard, and like I, I have some friends who have lost children, and this song is like I just can't Im- imagine. But you, it, it's you're right, David, that. In here, you see, he finally starts to realize that, like, I was never satisfied. I was, um, you know, Angelica says in that song, "Burn." You know, you're, you're, you were paranoid in every paragraph, every paragraph about how they perceive you. Um, you're obsessed with your legacy. You're, you know, you write like you're running out of time. Like you just grind, grind, grind. You think that's going to satisfy you? But as you said, David, we're never, we're never satisfied until our hearts rest in the Lord, as Saint Augustine says. Like our hearts are restless until they rest in the Lord. Um, but here it, it does talk about, you know, I go to church, I take the children to church on Sunday, I make the sign at the cross at the door. Um, and this, and now he's singing back to Eliza what Eliza used to sing to him look at where we are and look at where we started. Um, hear me out, that would be enough. You know, it used to be her saying, you know, you don't have to go off, off to war, you don't have to do all these things, like just stay here with us. Would that be enough? And now he's saying to her, like, can you, can you just hear me out? I'm trying to. I'm trying to say I'm sorry. I'm trying to recognize like how awful I've been. And um, it's, it's amazing that through this terrible experience, this unimaginable grief, um, that that is where he finds grace. And when it says um, that moment in the show where she, she finally, Eliza finally sings, it's quiet uptown and she reaches over and grabs his hand and, forgiveness can you imagine that sort of forgiveness he cheated on you he gave your son guns to go duel and your son died can you imagine that forgiveness like that is that is grace nothing but grace is just like wow grace too powerful to name grace too powerful to name the entire show Hmm. oh man and isn't it fascinating that it's at that moment where he lost his son that was the moment where they don't go into this as much in, as much in the show, but um, they do mention him praying and going to church. The moment where he lost his son was the moment that he discovered his own sonship oh, in the Father God. Gosh. Yeah, that's really and cool. And they make this really clear, the moment that he lost his most beloved family member, that's when he discovered his family. Wow. That's when he finally came home to his family. Man, I'm like tearing up right now, <laughs> just <laughs> thinking about this. Is is that it, you know that spirit of adoption in Romans eight through which we cry, Abba, Father, that you know God loves us and adopts us into His family. It just uh, yeah. man, 
Um, you know, and it, and it seems crazy. I think sometimes to people who thank you, Nick, for bringing me a tissue. I'm a, I'm a big softy over here. Emo kids on the last. Here I am, um, crying on camera. <laughs> um, I just, guarantee nobody watching the show had a dry eye watching yeah. that scene. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, that line, there are moments that the words don't reach. There's a grace too powerful to name. We push away what we can never understand. We push away the unimaginable. Um, and they're just, they're there together. Mm -hmm. She takes his hands. Yeah, amazing. I thought that was so beautiful. And in real life, um, Eliza was the one who really promoted Alexander's story. Because yes. the whole theme at the end is who tells your story. And it was her. Yeah. And I loved how she said, I put myself back in the story. Um, I don't think they know in, in real history who burned the letters, but they do know that the love letters did get burned after mm. his affair. Um, wow. But then she did, you know, essentially put herself back yeah. in the story. And I, I did think that was so it's such a beautiful thing, that forgiveness and that choosing to remember him well, despite, despite everything, you know. That that's the other moment that gets me is at the end when they start talking about Eliza and all the things they did and just like yeah. you know, you think you're done with the show and then the orphanage and just the tears are coming again. <laughs> she lives another fifty years. You know, she tells his story, she she fights against slavery. Like this woman is a saint. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. And she didn't just redeem his victories by bringing the legacy of all that he did. He did a lot of great things. I mean, bringing that legacy out to bear, but she mm -hmm. also sought, I mean, this is how you know that she knew Jesus, right? Is that she sought to redeem his brokenness mm -hmm. because his whole life, the source, the greatest source of his brokenness was the fact that he was an orphan. Mm -hmm. What does she do? She starts an orphanage. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> she redeems it. She baptizes his brokenness. Yeah. I got wow. chills. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. So beautiful. Uh, yeah. I want, I, I want to, did, did you guys have more to say about that? I wanted to point out something really interesting that my parish <laughs> priest told me, um, which is that I didn't know this before, but Constantine who has done more emperor Constantine for the Catholic church than almost anyone in history, um, apparently murdered his wife and his children. Oh my gosh. And mm. I thought it was such a neat thing that, uh, God can use these very flawed people. I was thinking about, you know, are we going to talk about the whole affair? Like that whole aspect of it. Like clearly mm -hmm. there were, there were deep flaws going on. He was the first, um, it was one of the first sex scandals in all of, you know, American history. Um, but I just thought it was such an interesting thing that like out, God can use deeply flawed people, which we all are in different ways um, to bring such good out of that mm -hmm. despite it. And I think, I, I think that the show did such a good job of not not dressing that whole thing up to be something that was redeemable or good, but at the same time too, just acknowledging it and just acknowledging the complexity and the humanity of of that and and kind of letting it come full circle, like let it like him being broken and recognizing the terrible things that he's done, but then also him still having an amazing legacy and still deserving an amazing legacy yeah. really mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know i just thought that was beautiful too it wasn't it was a nuanced <clears throat> approach it wasn't this you know um there was no agenda either way it was just yeah. this is this is who we are and i that felt to me very authentic i i really loved that 
that how exactly what you said, the way that they handled his mistakes and flawed people. I mean, George Washington is flawed. You know, he says, I led my men into a massacre. George Washington owned slaves. Thomas Jefferson owned slaves. Like you see these people who are heroes in our country as really flawed people who did some evil things, but at the same time did some amazing things that we're still reaping the benefits of today. Like the legacy of, of George Washington stepping down. And that, that was like, that's not something that you do. And like, there, there's so so many things that we owe to Thomas Jefferson, like like popularizing the idea of human rights and the rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And like that's anytime you have a discussion about politics, we're talking about rights, and like we owe that to Thomas Jefferson. But yet they also talk about like Thomas Jefferson comes in and he's saying, "Sally, be a dear, open that," and that's like a reference to Sally Hemings, who was his slave that he like had children with, like sexually abused and had children with, and so they. They talk about the flaws in these human beings, and it's something that we deal with the church all the time is there there's Judas's in the church, you know, in the Catholic Church, very famously, there's been sex scandals. And, you know, we just had them at the time of this recording, we had the McCarrick report come out just a, just a few days ago. It's kind of like our own Reynolds pamphlet in a way <laughs> where yeah. this is how much we sucked at this at, at doing this that we really shouldn't have done. Um, and I, I, I see this show wrestling with something I've wrestled with as a Catholic, which is the ugliness of the church and of what of, of the church lived in reality. And then the beauty of the vision of the church is one holy Catholic apostolic bread for the world. Um, and I, I see that that wrestling with America, the same thing. There's the ugliness of America in the oppression and the slavery and the treatment of indigenous people and immigrants. But then there's the dream of America, of this freedom, of this equality, of of this you know American dream. And um, anyway, I feel like this this show is wrestling with something that we Catholics are very um, very familiar with, and even even within ourselves. Like I I struggle to see myself as that adopted son of God. Um, because I also know that I'm a sinner. I also know that I'm, I'm shifty and manipulative sometimes and I need to go to confession. So, um, yeah, I agree with you. Just very well nuanced. So, yeah, it was really beautiful and the, <laughs> to see the <clears throat> separate from the big picture things to see kind of the politics within the different characters. Like we look at Thomas Jefferson and we think, you know, he did so much for American history, but like he was, he was wrong when it came to this system that of, um, you know, the financial system that, that Hamilton wanted to institute and mm -hmm. Hamilton had to fight and fight and fight and fight for years, yeah. you know, ratifying the constitution. It's like he had to convince people mm -hmm. to adopt the constitution, uh, through the federalist papers. And he had to really convince uh, people and he had to negotiate. And I think that's something that's so interesting because it's easy to look back and say, oh, that was like once they won the, the Revolutionary War, it was easy. And the, the truth is, no, I think they use the term like the afterbirth of a nation. Yeah. And like, like winning is easy, young man, governing is harder. Yeah. Uh -huh. so messy. Yeah. It's like super, super messy. And there were there were personal battles. There were, you know, um, big picture sort of uh, ideological battles going on. And that makes me, that in a way comforts me because we're in this moment politically in American history where that is still the case, mm -hmm. very much so. And I think there's, um, you know, in the world that we live in, there's a lot of people, I think the number one thing that people want to be is like a YouTuber, mm -hmm. <laughs> young people, that's like the most, that's like the number one <clears throat> dream job for people. Mm -hmm. And there's this idea in our minds that like, if we have something right, if we have talent, if we have something to offer the world, that it should come easy to us in some sense. Like mm. it should, we go viral immediately. Just 
were that good. Mm-hmm. And it's really cool to look at Hamilton and be like, you know what? He had to actually, he had really good ideas and people didn't always see that. Yeah. Like he actually was, was brilliant and people didn't always recognize that and they didn't always give that to him. Um, and again, that kind of ties back into what you said, uh, Mike, about the orphan spirit, yeah. you know, that spirit of adoption, it comes out of a place of not being enough. And so of course he fought for it. Um, whereas uh, someone else may have given up, but, um, mm-hmm. but I just thought that was kind of neat, like as an artist, you know, and David, I'm sure you appreciate this yeah. too, into being a white 20 something year old musical theater performer in New York city. There were thousands of me at every audition <laughs> and trying to stand out in that world was really hard. But I think, um, you know, it, coming back to that aspect of like, it does take hard work. It does take commitment and that's okay. And that's good. You're mm-hmm. going to build character along the way. You shouldn't just, you know, be an instant hit in mm-hmm. everything you try. So well, just, it, that's not necessarily like a spiritual uh-huh. theological, just kind of a human. No, I, I think it is. And I think, I think it comes down to discernment and knowing where you're called. And sometimes, you know, some, some people might look at you guys and saying, oh, you know, they, they did their Broadway thing, but then, then they quit, then they gave up, but you guys didn't quit. You discerned. Right. And you, and you you see Hamilton and Burr wrestling with this, where Hamilton is, is take, 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 I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm taking my shot. I'm going to go for it. And Burr is, I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it. I'm going to wait for it. I'm biding my time. I'm not going to let anybody know what I, what I think. And now I know I want to be in the room where it happens. So now I'm going to go for it. I'm going to, and, and they both kind of learn to see the other side, but I, I think what both of them are lacking is discernment of like, what is, what is God calling me to here? Is God calling me to work right now? Is God calling me to take a break and go upstate? Like what is, what is God calling me to? And that's something the consolation of faith gives us is when we learn to hear that voice of God through prayer, when you develop that interior life, you can have confidence to quit your job, to work harder, to start a family, to, you know, make, make crazy decisions. So, um, if you want to hear more about that, listen to Stacy's podcast. It's all about discernment called encaphenated. <laughs> and to then learn to have the freedom to make mistakes, right? Yes. Because yes. That's, part of, that's part of the, the boldness that, that we need to engender and our fellow Christians is the boldness to make a mistake. You know, Peter, Mm -hmm. sometimes when people talk about him walking on water and then taking his eyes off of Jesus and then falling, you know, people, ah, what was Peter thinking? He was the only one who dared step out of the boat, you know? And Jesus really honors him. You know, but again, we see Peter making lots of mistakes. That's one of the most beautiful things about the scriptures. And one of the proofs that the disciples didn't come up with the story yeah. because they're constantly showing their own blunderings. You know, yeah. you don't, mm-hmm. you don't build yourself as the head of a religion if, and then share all your blunders. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but that's, uh, there's a lot of criticism right now for Lin-Manuel Miranda overly heroicizing Hamilton, mm-hmm. but I don't think he does that. I think what he does is he doesn't whitewash Hamilton's mistakes, but at the same time, he doesn't allow Hamilton's mistakes to erase all the good that he did. Mm-hmm. He presents them as a complete package, uh, not a full compa- package that, you know, you only have a couple hours in, inside a Broadway theater to tell the story, but he, he presents a complicated package of a man who really wanted to do the right thing, mm-hmm. really wanted to give this orphan nation a sense of family because mm-hmm. they had a king 
who was treating them like orphan masters in a, mm -hmm. in, you know, in a workhouse, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. making all these demands, but not being there as a father. Yeah. And then George Washington, with all his faults, he steps in and he just wants to be a father. I mean, mm -hmm. one last time is another song so um, that wrecks me. Right. You know, how to say goodbye. You know, uh, here Hamilton says, you know, you got to show them you're strong. And he said, they will see our strength mm -hmm. by me stepping down, by me handing it on. I don't care. I'm not building this for myself. Yeah. I'm building this for the next generation. Yeah. 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 I love what you said there, David. I think it, it points out. So there was this juxtaposition being drawn throughout the whole thing of between um, Hamilton and Aaron Burr. Mm -hmm. And um, I read... I think that's where the character of Hamilton was appeared like strongest for all of his flaws was that he took action. And I was always like, I, I was like, yeah, that like in my own heart, I was like, that's the kind of person I want to be like the person stepping out of the boat to walk on water, not the person yeah. sitting in the boat waiting and just pointing out what everybody else is doing. And I yeah. think there's such a tendency towards that just because of our social media culture, there's a tendency mm -hmm. to scroll and to watch others' lives mm -hmm. and to be a critic. And anyone can be a critic because now we all have, you know, the ability to just comment okay. on each other's posts, but to actually be the one to step out and not be afraid to make a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I, that's one of the things that I most admired about Hamilton um, that I, I think was true in his real life. I think for the show that the... the um, competition between Burr and Hamilton was played up specifically to offset the characters. But there's something that Hamilton said at the beginning where um, when he had had recently met Burr and he said, if you don't stand for anything, what will you fall for? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is such a, to me, like that is what we need in our country. That's what we need in our world is like Christians who are willing to actually stand up and not be afraid to be criticized. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd rather be divisive than indecisive. Mm. Another great line. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. very Jesus. I came not to bring peace, but to bring the sword, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 And, and like, you're not always going to get it right. And you're not always going to express things perfectly, but to be convicted. And the reason that Hamilton was convicted was because he saw this bigger vision. He saw this potential for this incredible greatness of our nation, which did come to fruition. Whereas Aaron Burr was kind of, to me, just such a weak character. He was just kind of weaving in and out, trying to please people. He was an mm. empty suit who just really was trying, he was ultimately thinking about himself. And this yeah. to me where the orphan spirit of Hamilton was much better directed. It was better directed toward this larger vision towards, um, like you said, you know, trying to make something bigger for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Whereas Aaron Burr was much more about Aaron Burr mm -hmm. and about his yeah. leg. He, when he thought of his legacy, it was how are people going to remember me? Yeah. Whereas, Hamilton, it was like, how are people going to remember what I've built? Mm. Yeah. I want to talk. To me, yeah, that was Yeah, that was just something that really struck me. I, I wanted to Sorry. talk about legacy because it's it's huge in this show. And you, you see him worried about his legacy and that you see them even talking about like, oh, well, General Mercer died. He got a street named after him. That's an easy way to get a legacy. You know, you see them talking about how they're going to be remembered. And then you, you hear Eliza pleading with Hamilton. We don't need money. We don't need a legacy. This is enough. And mm -hmm. I, I think... Mm -hmm. I, this is a temptation for me is, um, you know, I, I do want to leave a legacy. I, you know, I think about, um, uh, we used to do an icebreaker on, on youth retreats when I would do them with my high school students. We'd ask you, you know, if you had 24 hours to live, how would you live the rest of this day? And I would always say, like, I feel like I'd want to leave something for my kids or I'd want to do something online, like make, make videos they could watch on their birthday or something. Like I want to leave behind a legacy. I want to leave behind, you know, lesson plans or videos or, or songs that I've written something. And there's something good in that if you're doing it for the right reasons and for like, 
the love of God and benefit of other people. But there can also be kind of this like pride in it, almost like you're seeking after this sort of fake immortality, you know? Sure. So I, I see him struggling with that in this. And to the, to the very end, he's obsessed with his honor, right? And he's yeah. dueling even after he's lost his son to dueling. He's still dueling. <laughs> and um, just that, that idea of a legacy. Did you guys have, have thoughts on that? Yeah, well, one thing that I thought was really fascinating when I did the research of his life afterwards was going back to what happened in his heart after uh, 10 years after the affair and um, literally the year uh, that his son died, within months that his son died, there was in his writings a sense that he realized I've been trying to make the wrong kind of legacy. Mm. Like, yeah, what we're doing with our nation, it matters, but there's something that matters way more. So he started the Christian Constitutional Society, which was secondarily for the establishing of this newborn nation um, and really grounding it. Mm -hmm. But it was primarily to establish it as a Christian society mm. where charity is at the heart of everything that's done. We're mm. honoring God and walking the way that Jesus walked self-sacrificially is the way it's done. But it's really interesting because reading about his duel, there was the sense that even there, he believed that if he did not agree to do the duel, then he would be seen by society as as declaring Burr the winner in the argument, mm -hmm. saying, yeah, I've been wrong about everything. And that's what the duel, that's why he said yes to the duel, but then decided he would raise his gun to the air, mm -hmm. is that by at least agreeing to the duel, I'm saying that I agree with everything that I've done here. Mm -hmm. I still stand my ground. Um, because if I don't do that, my legacy is going to fall apart. Mm -hmm. The banking system might fall apart. Even more than that, maybe my legacy of this new legacy of the Christian mm -hmm. constitutional society uh, will lose its momentum. Mm -hmm. But... We don't need to defend God, right? It's yeah, like what did exactly. the guys say? You don't need to defend a lion; just let him out of the cage. Yeah, right. Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I take I take some uh, encouragement, and even as we talk about how divisive our politics have become, at least we don't have like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi dueling with pistols. <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe some people would like to see that, but at least we haven't gone back to there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I wish they would. I think that'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give them, we'll give them like laser tag or paintball guns. That'll things might get done a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. And last thing I wanted to talk about. Um, we're, we're 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 close to the end of our, our our time here, but I wanted to make sure we talked about the idea of freedom because freedom is like everything to mm -hmm. Americans, right? If you talk about America, we talk about freedom. Like that's every political discussion comes down to freedom and, and, and our rights. And that's life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so we mm -hmm. see Hamilton fighting for freedom, but yet in so many ways, he's, he lacks a certain freedom within himself. You know what I mean? Like he, he lacks the freedom to say no to mm. um, what's, what's her name? The woman he has the affair with. Yeah, Maria. Yeah, he's, he's praying to God, give me the strength. And he just yeah. doesn't have it. I want to say no to this, but I don't say no to this. You know, um, he, 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 he still is kind of a slave to, um, you know, thinking about the world in terms of honor and, 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 and pride and his legacy. Um, yeah. 
and, and I think with, within Christianity, you know, Jesus says, you shall know the truth and it will set you free. And it's a different sort of freedom. It's not the freedom to just do whatever I want, but it's, it's the freedom to live unhinged and unshackled from our slavery to these sins. It's, it's the, the freedom to do good. It's the freedom to, to be who we really are meant to be. Um, as St. Augustine talks about it like as a lung that breathes freely. Like if you think if you have an asthma attack or if you've, you've had some lung infection or something like that, you can't breathe freely. And then the freedom that comes with Christ – Oh my gosh, now I can breathe. Now I can function as I was finally meant to function. And I, I see Hamilton working for this exterior political freedom, but struggling never really to gain that true interior freedom. David, I'm glad you did some research on his faith life. I didn't know any of that. That's that's really yeah. um yeah. interesting. Yeah. Can I offer a point about the freedom thing? Please. Um I'm glad you brought that up because um Sep, I totally agree with what you said about the character of Hamilton, but the show itself. Um, deals seems to, I don't know that they ever really define freedom, but I will never forget in Catholic high school from Mrs. Carroll, uh, Dr. Ann Carroll learning freedom is the ability to do what you ought, not mm. the ability to do what you want. Mm -hmm. And mm. I see that in our cultural conversation. I really see that very strongly in uh, a lot of people who come on over to my Instagram account to tell me what they think of me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I see that in a lot of, uh, you know, kind of new uh, current, I'll, I'll say current feminist ideals um, is, you know, the whole point is to live a life of your own choosing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that that's the highest freedom. I really yeah. don't. And I think this is where Hamilton, the musical, is a, a 2020 retelling of the 1776 actual event mm -hmm. um, events rather um, is that there does seem to, they don't seem to define why they want to be a free nation except for the the beyond the the scope of just having self-determination self-determination yeah. seems to be as far as they go with freedom um, and I don't see apart from like, you know, the implicit moral code of like, don't cheat on your wife, you know, don't have mm -hmm. a duel. That kind of thing. I don't see like a larger concept of freedom defined in the show. Mm -hmm. And um, perhaps they kind of left that absent on purpose because mm -hmm. as a culture, we are <clears throat> running away from this definition of freedom being to do what you ought yeah. as instead replacing it with freedom to do what you want, um, which is a concern of mine for our country. Um, yeah. But I don't think that that was the way that the founding fathers saw it. Yeah, our our, our modern culture. In the environment they were living in, that was, and again, I said one of my favorite things about the show is it's anachronism. It's, it's taking something out of time, the mm -hmm. context of time. That was also one of my criticisms of the show yeah. is that it def tended to define everything by the way we see things by the way we see things nowadays. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, not realizing that these men had a deeply, deeply religious sense of freedom. Matter of fact, um, one of the good things, again, not everything that Hamilton did before the affair was horrible and mm -hmm. everything he did after he uh, confessed was great. He was a conflicted man. Um, he really fought for uh, Catholics' rights. Mm -hmm. Under the King of England, Catholics had no rights. It was outlawed. It was, mm -hmm. it, um, it was against the law. Uh, an imprisonable offense. Hamilton fought for those Catholics who had fought by his side in the mm -hmm. war. Interesting. And he said, these are my Christian brothers. And it was because of Hamilton that the citizens of New York got the vote, that the, the Catholic citizens of New York were allowed to vote. Wow. 
I didn't realize that. That's so yeah, interesting. It was really cool. What, what yeah. I was, gonna, what I was higher in their sense of freedom, like you're saying. It was, yeah. That was doing what ought to be done, not just. Yeah. What, yeah. In, if there's one thing I could change about the show, I think it would be to add more of that element of faith in mm -hmm. and that even bigger picture. Because you do get the big picture in a sense of a lot of, um, you know, fighting for this country, fighting to do something that they that had never been done before. But missing that, that aspect of God, I think yeah. uh, it would have been much richer. I mean, it was yeah. a. You don't, rich you don't show. lay down your life. Yeah, you don't lay down your life and and uh, make all these incredible sacrifices so that you can have a bigger house or just kind of live life the way you want to live mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's got to be something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Um, what I was going to say before we were talking about freedom is um, American culture tends to see freedom as an end in itself rather mm -hmm. than a means to a greater good. And, that is a good and that's, that's the Christian view is God gives us freedom as a gift to pursue the good. Right. He yeah. gave us two, he gave us all these trees in the garden to choose from. And he said, here's all these good trees you could choose from, but don't eat from that one. At least not yet. Like he gives, he gives us a choice so that we can choose the good, not so we can choose the evil. Um, cool. Well, we're, we're just about out of time. Are there, are there other things that you just feel like you have to say about Hamilton before we're done? I think I said it. I think <laughs> there's always more we could talk about. This is a fascinating conversation, but yeah, yeah it was, Really wonderful. Thank you for, for having us. Absolutely. Anything else, David? Uh, no, no. I mean, obviously we could talk hours more, but yeah. I think that's good. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so if, did you have, I want to ask each one of you kind of your, your picks. What are your, your, if you told someone, you know, you got to hear these three songs, what would you hear? Hmm. Well, I think I'd have to say one last time. Uh, it's also called Teach Them How to mm -hmm. Say Goodbye. I feel like that song has within it everything that works about this show i mean mm -hmm. it's got the humor it's got the passion mm -hmm. it's got um it's got the rap it's got absolutely incredible stellar musicality mm -hmm. um and it's got actual quotes from washington yeah um and and really i mean i think more than just about any other song in the show that song gives kind of a, a glimpse into what the founding fathers were all about mm -hmm. and why they were fighting so hard to build this nation. Mm -hmm. um, the next song I would say is Dear Theodosia. Simply <laughs> as a dad, it just wrecks me. And mm -hmm. I'm kind of addicted to it being addicted to it wrecking me. I just listen to it over and over and over again and just think about this incredible gift of, of my sons and what I want for them. Yeah. And then, uh, and then just the, the ep apex of the entire show, Quiet Uptown. Yeah, so good. the best moment in the whole show. Mm -hmm. well. mm -hmm. That was one of mine too, Quiet mm -hmm. Uptown. It was such a beautiful culmination of so many different moments of the show coming together. So beautiful. Um, I also, I just, ha I think The Room Where It Happens is the catchiest song mm -hmm. in the whole show. I, that was like, oh man, I just, I don't know, just musically. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's a fascinating moment, but I yeah. just love moment in the entire show and make most boring historical moment in the entire show and made it yeah. one of the most electrifying moments yeah partly thanks to leslie oh. Odom jr yeah 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 um it's really hard for me to pick a third one out of all of the others i mean oh gosh there's so many good ones probably mm -hmm. i actually thought that the 10 um 10 dueling wait what is it called 10 dual Ten commandments, commandments. 10 dual commandments. Yeah. 
I thought that musically was um, just amazing, just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like that little moment was like, whoa, what did he just do there? Yeah. So purely uh-huh. from a songwriting perspective, yeah. um, pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. I love that one so much that I actually made a parody of it a few years back uh, with my <laughs> friend Father Father Matt Foley, where we did the Ten Real Commandments, and he's a priest, and I'm like a kid going to confession, and like we go through all Ten Commandments, and it's a parody of that. So anyway, I'll put that in the show notes if you want to want to see that. It's my, <laughs> the closest I've ever gone to going viral. It got a few thousand views, but uh, anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I would say my picks are um, the combination of helpless and satisfied, just back to back, where they like go back in time and show it from a different perspective. And like Angelica in Satisfied is ridiculous. Like that's just some of the best rapping, and the beat is. It's awesome. I love it. Um, a Quiet Uptown, of course, and uh, the rap battles are so good, especially the first uh, ca- or the the cabinet battle, um, and even the, like the little piano riff with the delay on it. It's it's so good. I love it. Um, yeah, yeah so, so much good stuff there. So much good stuff. Um, David and Stacy, I often at the end um, of the show, I ask oh, one of my guests and David, I, I'd asked you if you would be willing to close us in a prayer that kind of reflects some of the things that we've talked about. You, you down for that? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Let's pray. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, our hearts are restless until they rest in you. And Lord, we confess that we spend so much of our time trying to seek after the things that we think will satisfy us. And then we come back to the truth that only you can satisfy us, that only you have the power to make every moment in our lives count because you're our father and we are not orphans. You have not left us alone to try to figure it out for ourselves. God, I pray that you would give every one of us, every one of those listening in, watching in, and, and for Mike and Stacy and myself as well, I pray that you will give us a renewed vision of what it means that we are sons and daughters of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords, that we are sons and daughters of the one who is love. And God, I pray that that would just rise up such confidence, such boldness, such courage, and such rest in our souls. That you really would be the center. And that our lives would, as a result, leave a legacy that you want to leave behind. The legacy that you have written out for us to leave behind. We commit all these things to you. In the wonderful name of your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. 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 David, Stacy, thank you so much for being here. This was was such a joy. My heart feels just like so full to talk about yeah. this with, with the two of you. Um, and uh, please, viewers and listeners, uh, go to the show notes. And both of these beautiful people have amazing stories that will just like rock your world. So go, go, go check out what, what they're doing. And, uh, they, they, they just have beautiful stories. They're both people that deeply love the Lord and are doing, doing awesome things for the kingdom. So uh, for a fun fact, would you say, I forgot. Yeah. So Oak, Okierte, I don't remember how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. He, um, dated my roommate in New York. The guy that plays Hercules Mulligan and James Madison. Yes. He dated your roommate in New York. 
to my roommate and I think it was while he was in work in the first um rendition of Hamilton but before it went to Broadway what that's crazy and then I I actually didn't even recognize him because I only met him at the time but he dated my roommate for like a quite like a number of months anyway I was I saw his name on the cast list Mm because I I watched the musical didn't even recognize him and I saw that it was him and I was like oh my gosh his name is like very very long Mm -hmm. I Nigerian so I mm-hmm. you can't make that up there's not there's not two of him yeah so I was uh-huh. like, oh, that's Oak. No way. Uh-huh. yeah I think he's on like Chicago Fire now or something like that I think he, yeah. yeah he's in that show anyway that's awesome all right last things about <laughs> Hamilton anything else all right thank, uh, thank you guys see it be see careful it. about how old your kids are if they're gonna watch it yeah but definitely see it's it. got some profanity in it and some sexy stuff it so. does have one f word as well on the Disney plus version yeah mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, they took yep. out two. There were three originally, but there is still one in there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank thank you for thank you for being with us. Thank you, uh, viewers and listeners. If you would like to support shows like this and where we can have awesome guests like this and awesome conversations like this on Pop Culture Catechism and other shows on Awaken Catholic, you can do so by going to awakencatholic.org/slash/donate, where you can be, join the Awaken Nation by making a monthly donation, and that is what makes all this possible. Uh, you can also make a one-time donation. You can also download the Awaken app by going to theawakenapp.io, and you can. You'll see all the all the shows on there and get to chat with some of the show hosts if you want. And if you are part of the Awakened Nation, you also uh, get access to premium content through their talks by yours truly and other uh, show hosts and presenters that we have at Awakened Catholic. You can also support us by downloading the Hallow app by going to hallow.app slash awaken. It's an awesome way to jumpstart your prayer life and just fit prayer into however busy or not busy your life is. It's an awesome way to, to grow in your interior life and, uh, and just get more Jesus time. So you can get a free month of the premium app by going through our site and doing that free month. And and as always, if you liked this episode, please like, please share, send it to your friends who are Hamilton and and theater fans, or just, you think they would like it. Uh, Give us a rating uh, or a review and uh, subscribe, comment, all those things. All of that helps the show. And I love to hear from people. I've had a ton of awesome feedback just off off the first uh, few episodes that we've done. People are really liking this show. So thank you for letting us know. And we will do topics that you suggest. So if there's any topics you want to do, uh, let us know and we'll do it again. David and Stacy, thank you again. Viewers, thank you again. We will see you guys next time. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org donate. Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hello.app slash awaken.